This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner. We've had a bit of a gap. Sorry about that, folks. Lockdown. (laughs) getting to us and we were a bit buried uh, but wow we were digging our way out and uh, we realized with horror that there's a bit of a break so i apologize if you were just clinging on waiting for us to come back we're back we're back because schools have started again schools have started again and we're excited and have brain space so welcome uh today we are talking about god behind the scenes and how we can show our kids that uh, i'm answering a question uh about chatting uh we've been running a lot of parenting for faith courses recently well i mean there's loads all over the country i think the latest count was over 40 something running right now all over the country but we were running one and it and um some of our friends were, and uh, they got in contact with a question that came up in their Parenting for Faith course. And uh, the question is, is chatting to God irreverent to him? Does it create in our kids an irreverence towards God? And so I'll be taking that question on in the question section. And uh, one of our listeners, a good friend of the podcast, uh, got in touch and said that she and her family have really been uh, reading these books that have been encountering God for them and starting really great God conversations. And so she did a little review for us, uh, a little uh, just moment of, of her talking about uh, what some fiction books have done in, in their their children's life and, and what they are so that you can find them. So that is the podcast today. Uh, kicking us off is Anna Hawken talking about God behind the scenes. I've called my little section today, God Behind the Scenes. Now, I'm currently pregnant. I'm expecting to have a baby in the next uh, month or so. And it's really got me thinking about what happens that you can't see and how to explain that to the children in my life. So it was a very interesting experience telling my children that they were going to have a little brother or sister. Their minds were just blown because at that point there was nothing physical that they could see. And even as time has gone on, and I'm obviously a lot bigger now, and I can feel the baby moving, and they felt a bit of that, it's a bit of a strange concept for them. It's not, they can't physically see a baby in front of them growing and changing. And so it's quite a tricky thing to get your head around. And it got me thinking about what else God is doing behind the scenes. Um, I love verses like Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I found that a great comfort in times where I've not really know what's going on. Uh, But it could be misunderstood and kind of thought as God is very mysterious and you can't possibly know what's happening. Another very popular verse, which I like to is Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. who have been called according to his purpose. So we don't always understand all the details, but God is doing stuff behind the scenes. And yeah, I've just been thinking about how to balance those things, how to explain to the children in my life that God is doing things that we can't see and to draw his attention. Let me go back to the pregnancy example, because it might help. So um, you know how you can get those little videos week by week that say, 
<coughs> sorry, excuse me, this week uh, your baby is growing fingernails and learning to blink and their legs are two inches longer or whatever it is. Um, my children have absolutely loved those videos because it brings it to life, it makes real and it explains something that they can't see. It also um, relates it to something that they know. So it will um, suggest a fruit or vegetable, which is the approximate size of the baby. By the way, I am sure they make those up. They start out very plausible. You know, your baby's the size of a, a strawberry and then a pear. And, but now we're just getting very random things from the fruit, fruit bowl or the veg box. So um, yeah, whoever makes those up, I'm not entirely convinced. But it does relate it to something that they can see and understand. It's quite hard to say... Uh, to just guess the size of the baby, even knowing, okay, it's about 20 centimetres long, is hard to picture, but putting it in terms of something they know and see and experience every day is really helpful. So it got me thinking, how can I help the children in my life to see what God is doing behind the scenes? How can I strip away a bit of the mystery, knowing that we won't know all the details, but um, just to highlight both to myself and to them that God is doing stuff even when we can't see. It's like the bridge of um, Waymaker that I love that song and it says even when I don't see it you're working you never stop you never stop working. Um, how can I make that understandable for my children? So I've just got two suggestions uh, so really simple today. The first one is to look back. It's so much easier to see what God is doing and what he was doing by comparing it to the past. Um, so one of the ways that I like to do that is to look at old photos on my phone or on social media, um, which might sound like not a very spiritual thing to do, but photos for me often really conjure up memories and I remember what I was thinking or feeling at that time or what was going on in my life, what I was chatting to God about. So that could be um, a helpful thing. I also keep, a, well, I say I keep a journal. I sporadically jot down some thoughts in an app called Penzi. And I know there's loads of different apps and uh, ways and places that you can do that. But what I particularly like about that app is it sends you reminders. So it will say a year ago today, you wrote this or two years ago, uh, you commented on this. And I'm very visual, so I post, uh, but not artistic. So I can post in images and song lyrics and all those kind of things of, that I've caught from God um, without having to draw them, which is great because I can't draw. But often when I look back, I see what God was doing in the past. I'm reminded of what I was praying, what was on my mind. My memory is not as good as I would like to think it is. And often it's only by seeing what I've written or what I chose to photograph or what I chose to talk about or pray about that things fit together. Particularly with catching from God, I'd really encourage you and your children to write or draw or find uh, pictures online of what you feel like you're catching from God. Because often those things don't make sense at the time, but a little bit later, they're part of a bigger puzzle and a bigger picture that you can put together. So that's my first suggestion, just to look back and you can do that in all sorts of different ways. And then my second suggestion is to ask questions. Asking questions is such a useful tool and you can do this in lots of different ways. You can reflect on your own if that's something that works for you. You can chat to your partner or a friend or your kids or just direct to God. You can ask God questions like, God, what are you doing today? Or God, what are you doing behind the scenes um, that I'm not noticing? 
God, what do you want to draw my attention to? God, what's going on? God, give me a picture or something to help me understand what you're doing at the moment. Ask him, just stop and pause and ask him. He loves to show us things, but often I think we don't take the time to do that. So yeah, you can try those things out, looking back and asking questions. And then however you do it, just remember to share with your kids what's been happening for you and equip them to do it for themselves. So if you're doing this tucked away in a bedroom uh, when they're asleep or they're at school, they're not going to know that that's something that's happening. But you can just share, hey, I asked God this question today. God, what are you doing behind the scenes? And he reminded me of a picture that he gave me six months ago that at the time didn't mean anything. And now it does. Whatever it is for you, it can be tiny things. It can be big things. But invite them to be part of that process as well. Say, hey, I tried asking God this question or I looked back at something I'd written a long time ago or I used photos to prompt my memory. Um, you're welcome to do that as well if you'd like to. And for our question today is a question that came in from a friend of mine who is running a course and this question popped up in her Parenting for Faith course and I thought it was a good one and so uh, I thought I'd take it on. So the question is about chatting to God and is there a risk in chatting to God becoming reverent, becoming uh, something that, that doesn't align with our call to be reverent towards God. And uh, for me, I think they, they are aligned for two reasons. For me, one, it's about the positioning that uh, the New Testament teaches us that we have right now. You know, there, when Jesus was talking about praying to God, he was talking about calling him Abba, Father, this, this sense of sonship that pops up in Galatians, it pops up in Romans, uh, this, this sense of calling God, Abba, this, this, this sonship, this child-parent relationship that we have. And as a child, we can share everything with our parent, and we do for anybody who has any children in their realms, uh, whether you're a parent or a carer, this sense of openness, of sharing everything with a parent uh, is something that, that positionally I think we're called to. It's something that we are called to step into. Um, but also I find it in things like um, when Moses in Exodus, I think it's 33, 11, uh, was talking to God, God talked to Moses, uh, it says, um, face to face like a friend. This this position as a friend, you're hearing banging noises, and that's my husband. He's on the other side of this window, and he's doing something in the bathroom. I think he's cleaning something, just so you know what's happening. Uh, and uh, this, this sense of, of friendship, this peer-to-peer, -peer, it's not even peer. We're never equal in any way to God, and Jesus doesn't say that, but he still calls us friend. Uh, he still calls us into a closeness of friendship that is mind-blowing uh, and, and is uh, completely awe-inspiring to me that we have not only been called children of God, but we are called friends. And, and he positions himself to speak face-to-face -to, -face to Moses as a friend does. And um, and then Jesus in John 15, 15, calling us friends. He, he, he says, I no longer call you service, but I call you friend. And all of these positions that they that in scripture we see as as friend, as a, as a son, that I see in that, this open-hearted chatting to God, this open-hearted hold nothing back, as David says, search my heart, O God, this openness to God that I see in chatting, that I see is completely aligned with, with what scripture tells us our position is to be with him. With him. Uh, and the other thing I think is, is the nature 
of relationship. For me, the more I get to know someone, the more I get to know their character, their who they are in secret, the depths of their heart, the m- more I grow in reverence and honor and respect for them. It's, you know, my parents, as I've grown, I've seen, you know, how they read scripture, how they love God, how they deal when they're upset or angry. I've heard stories of when they've been under persecution and, and the godliness that they've done. And the more I grow, the more I get to know my parents, the more I grow in honor and reverence and love for them. My Same with my husband, with my friends. And so to me, this concept of, of chatting and catching and, and growing close to God um, Informality, I don't think, means that I am irreverent. I think informality removes barriers between me and God that I may see him clearly and say, I want nothing held back from you, God. And the more I see God clearly, the closer I feel to him, the more I will see him. And the more I see him, I will grow in reverence and awe and respect and honor. And that's, to me, the beauty of life with God is I can know that I have the privilege to chat to the God of the universe who created all things and who is holy beyond all imagining. And I can chat to him about how I'm sad that someone said something mean to me today. And he loves me and listens and ministers and calls me to be better. And that is the glory to me of a life lived with God. And so that's why, to me, I feel chat sort of orients itself in scripture uh, as, as, a, as a conduit, I guess, to more reverence. Uh, I think reverence isn't in the language we use, but it's in the heart we have towards God. And uh, to me, the, the closer you feel to God, you can only become more reverent um, as we see him and know him well. That's my answer. You could totally disagree with me and that's okay. Uh, so that's, that's my answer. I've recently uh, did a bit of an interview with uh, someone who's doing their master's thesis on storytelling and how that impacts children's faith. And it was a really interesting interview, some really interesting questions about how fiction books can impact how children reflect on faith. And uh, that is something that that many of us have known for many years. You know, those of us who've ever engaged with C.S. Lewis's Narnia Chronicles, for example, you know, we can find all of these interesting parallels of of understanding God in a, a different way. And over and over again, you will find some books like C.S. Lewis's stuff is, is written with that sort of analogy in mind. But uh, I have a friend called Ellie Bird who often will have these really deep reflections on who God is from watching Disney movies or from reading a, a book that isn't from someone who is a faith-based author. And she just find some really interesting God moments in those that I, I just, my life has benefited from this sense that all around us are stories that we can see God in and, and have interesting conversations. But many of us have, have really wanted to find a sort of next generation of, <laughs> of Narnia books. You know, what are some fiction books that are specifically written well, uh, that, that, are specifically designed for us to explore these grander uh, ideas of God and who he is and what he's called us to that is wrapped in an adventure story that uh, is intriguing and engaging and well-written. And one of our listeners found some and it has been really good. And so uh, I asked her to just tell us a bit about them so that we could all share in this. So if, if you are like me and are constantly looking for ways of coming alongside our kids and and 
reading something together that we can love and be intrigued and delight in and also really have great God conversations about. Uh, This is uh, Kathy telling us about it. Hi there. I just wanted to share with you guys about a series of four books that I have completely fallen in love with. It seems they're not yet very well known in the UK. They're called The Wingfeather Saga by Christian author and singer-songwriter Andrew Peterson. You can write it down and look them up later. I initially heard about them from an American friend who is herself an author, so I thought with her recommendation that they would be well written. Another American friend living near me in London had copies that she was happy to lend me, so I read through all four books in a couple of weeks. Loved them. Some really moving and meaningful moments. I guess to try and describe them, they're a bit like Narnia, fantasy adventure stories set in a whole world that the author created about three children who at the start are 12, 11 and 9. That's the sort of age they're aimed at, I would say, 8s to 12s. There is an accepted awareness within the story that there is a maker who they pray to and they believe is caring for them in all their crazy adventures. They're basically one story with so much drama along the way and some great plot twists that you really don't see coming. Now I'm reading them to my 10-year-old at bedtime and she didn't see the plot twists coming either. So she's an avid reader. It's not just me. Proud of myself not to have given away any spoilers as I'm dying to talk about them, but I have to wait. They're also available on Audible, which would be amazing for a long family car journey when we're allowed to do such things. I've ordered our own set now so I can give the borrowed ones back and they are easily available in the UK because new paperback versions have just come out and get them from the normal kind of online Christian bookshops Um, and normal bookshops like WH Smith's as well. The great thing is that these are proper quality stories as well as including so much great truth. I don't know about you, but we've tried a few Christian books, fiction and non-fiction, which have turned out to not live up to our expectations, having read so many great stories in recent years. But these completely are blowing us away. They've already impacted our family faith because of the way my 10-year-old and I can discuss what's going on. I was praying for more input for my children during this last third lockdown and I found them just at the right time before my kids got too old. Um, I know they're going to be part of our journey They're going to impact the children's understanding of life as an an adventure, especially the idea that each one of us is precious and valuable and anything that tries to take us away from that is not coming from our maker. There are quite dark things going on. I won't give them away, but at one point there are some children who are being told that they're just tools. They're not allowed to tell their real names, for example. Hope being taken away and most of them becoming more and more depressed and without life and purpose but just a couple of children who realise they can be the light in that situation and find that they're influencing many others at the same time. My favourite character is not one of the main three children, but a girl called Sarah Cobbler, who rises up to bring light in a very dark place. Towards the end of the series, of course, it has to come to a head and characters join together and say that they're prepared to fight against the evil character, who turns out to be a messed up individual, of course, who's suffered a lot himself to try and stop him from hurting more and more people. It reminds me a lot of Rachel's teaching that we're bringing up our children to live a life of purpose. They have a part to play from when they are children and onwards in this in-between time, between Jesus' first and second coming, where there is so much evil and pain, but so much hope, because we know the end of the story. (laughs) 
And a question to start an interesting conversation with your kid this week is this. What is one situation in your life where you are pretty sure God was working behind the scenes, but you never actually saw him, knew it, talked about him, that you just know that he was working behind the scenes for you? Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you. Music